Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Episode 32 of Leadership is Female. I am joined by Jennifer Matthews, Vice President of Brand Marketing at PointsBet, a sports betting app that's the, quote, fastest way to bet on sports. In her position, she oversees strategic partnerships, creative design, events, activations, retail marketing, and brand marketing functions while maintaining a focus on continually evolving the PointsBet brand as the company grows into new markets. If you are anything like me, I'm innately curious about the behind the scenes of the sports betting world and thrilled to have Jennifer give us a peek behind the curtain through her marketing lens. Before joining PointsBet, Jennifer was the Senior Director of Marketing for Monumental Sports Network, where she spearheaded all marketing, including subscription bundle marketing, email marketing, communications, media buying, creative execution, events, and grassroots activations. Notably, her work at Monumental Sports Network launched the OTT platform in 2016. She began her career at Sports Illustrated, where she assisted with the marketing plan for the magazine's 50th anniversary and 40th anniversary of the world-famous swimsuit issue. She then ventured to ESPN, where she worked on multiple marketing partnerships and helped relaunch ESPN Radio, as well as assist in the development of local ESPN websites. Jennifer's got a lot to share, including really great insight on marketing, if you can't tell from her immense background in that very topic. She also speaks with us about working for a growing sports betting company, respecting your employees' time availability and meeting cadence as a senior member at PointsBet. She's a seasoned marketing pro and talks about the time that she left sports and what it was like to come back and how that has enhanced her capabilities as a marketer. She's wise and she's sharing her insights. So listen up, be prepared to come and take some notes and implement this great wisdom from Jennifer Matthews. All right. Today's guest on the Leadership is Female podcast is Jennifer Matthews, Vice President of Brand Marketing for PointsBet. We are thrilled to have you. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks, Emily. I'm excited to be here. So I want you to kick us off by telling us who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Sure. Um, So like you said, Jennifer Matthews, the VP of Brand Marketing over at PointsBet Sportsbook. Um, been working in the sports industry for about 20 years. Um, and as I kind of grew up in the industry, just keeping uh, on top of what's new, what's what's the, the next big thing. And obviously sports betting, as everyone knows, is kind of that. Uh, so I've been here for about a, almost a year and a half at this point. How'd you get your start in sports? Were you an athlete growing up? Yeah. So I actually played uh, volleyball throughout high school, throughout college. Um, and when I was in school, 
we uh, basically, I hate to say this, but it wasn't like you can go online and apply for jobs. So it was a lot of um, writing cover letters, trying to find addresses and, and sending things out. So I, the summer before college uh, ended, I got an internship at Madison Square Garden. I've always been a sports fan and obviously playing sports my whole career is something I had such a passion for. And then when I graduated uh, college, I actually, my first job was with uh, Sports Illustrated. I interviewed while I was probably my last few weeks in school and I started a couple of weeks after graduation. I got really lucky. Um, I will remember one of the things I remember when I was interviewing, I had just lost my voice. You know, it was a crazy couple of end of the school year, right? And I went in and I apologized and I said, I'm so sorry, but I've just, you know, had this cold and we just graduated and things, et cetera. And the gentleman at the time who ended up being my boss said, would you trade it in? And I looked at him and I said, no, I wouldn't. And he's like, that's what I want to hire. Somebody who's not going to, you know, look back and say, I should have done this. Like, and I love that you're excited about it and you loved every minute of it. And it was great. I started my career there. Um, I like to say I grew up at Sports Illustrated. It was a great time, a great group of people. Um, I started in uh, on the advertising sales team, kind of as an assistant, you know, learning the ropes of print, print media. Um, still is is super intense, probably more than most of the other um, platforms out there. But obviously print was king back then, right? Everybody had a Sports Illustrated subscription. You all had a Sports Illustrated for Kids subscription growing up. So it was it was a great brand. And I kind of grew up there, moved on to the marketing team, uh, supporting the advertising sales guys, and just and really liked it. Um, even did some of the strategic initiatives. So I worked on the 50th anniversary for Sports Illustrated. I worked on the 40th anniversary for the swimsuit issue, their sportsman of the year. So really got my feet wet with some big projects um, and brands, if you will, within an organization. I think that's kind of where I started to realize I like the strategy of marketing, right? Not, not necessarily always um, the sales side of it, more of the strategy side. So I actually... Um, at that point, I really wanted to learn TV because it was, I just, we were working on digital, we were working on print and I just needed that opportunity to really build myself and build my knowledge. So I went over to ESPN, um, actually went over there. Uh, someone I knew was working there. We just always kept in touch. And when the, the job came up, it was a conversation that I, that I started and it was awesome. I spent a few years there started off on the ad sales uh, marketing team as well, kind of building all of their TV and digital and even printed in. Um, and at that time, looking into some of the other spaces that we were exploring um, and, and working with advertisers from across the country, right? Supporting all these multi-million dollar budgets and putting together sweepstakes and platforms and just trying to, as, as everyone knows, you know, ESPN has so much to offer, but what makes an advertiser stand out and, one of the projects I was working on at the time was actually for Domino's uh, and kind of aligning them with, you know, the pizza of tailgating, if you will, or the pizza, of, right? So started working with our brand team at ESPN. And as we were working together, I got to know them and, and kind of had the conversation of, I think this is what I really want to do. I really love what you guys are doing. Um, and that's kind of how I moved over to the brand side of the business. And that's kind of where I've been ever since, um, you know, once again, like I said, it's um, I got lucky in the sense where these opportunities were available, but I do think part of it is putting yourself out there, right? Letting people know that this is what I think I'm good at. This is what I think where I can add value. And I think that's kind of what 
helped me, like I said, transition to the brand side and then have been doing that ever since. Yeah. So you've worked for, as you mentioned, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, also MSNBC and Monumental Sports Network during your career. And now PointsBet, you've got some of the biggest names in sports media business on your resume. You mentioned putting yourself out there as a key to earning those roles. How did you get your foot in the door? How did you find your next opportunity for the group of job seekers out there right now who are looking for an edge? What advice can you give? Yeah. I think what's most important is it doesn't always have to be sports. I think what you need to know is what are you good at? What do you like? So like, I love marketing, right? I think I'm good at it. Maybe right? some people probably would, would disagree, but I, I think I am. And, but that's where my passion is, right? So you mentioned MSNBC. A lot of people question, why did you leave ESPN to go to MSNBC? That's not sports, right? That's, that's politics. Very, very, very different. And I will tell you, this was a part of my career that I probably struggled with more than any other part. Um, the opportunity came, came around to have, get a promotion, to be more, you know, on the managers management side of the business and grow a brand that did not have a brand just yet. And I really loved ESPN. I loved what I was doing, but I knew where I was at that time, there was no upward movement available and no opportunity to grow a brand, not just maintain it, if you will. Right. So ESPN is already established. We all know what they are, the worldwide leader and, I was doing some amazing things, um, but I really wanted to learn what it was like from like starting from the bottom. And that's essentially what I did at MSNBC. We went over there and we uh, helped create the Lean Forward campaign that ran for years uh, ahead of the election. And it was great. I mean, like I said, I struggled with it. I'd met with my mentor, I met with others trying to make sure that this was the right thing for my career. And my mentor said to me, Jen, you'll always be a sports fan. You could always come back to sports. You know, you'll always, you want to diversify your resume. You love marketing. So why don't you learn the most you can and then take that back to the sports side? So that's actually, that's what I did. And I tell people all the time, I probably learned the most in that role. Um, just from like, you know, we made, we did some fun things and, and did a lot of research and realized it didn't work. So let's do something else. Right. And, and from a marketing perspective, like I said, when you're always, you know, kind of, um, maintaining a brand, if you will, rather than growing it, you don't necessarily always know that, right? Because you've already figured out the mistakes you've made and you don't necessarily have to make them again. But here, because we were growing something new, we did. And once again, like I said, that's, that's always where I say I've, I've learned the most because it really taught me to take that step back, look at research. What does this mean? Did this work? Does it not work? And don't be afraid to change that trajectory, right? Don't be afraid to change that brand messaging, um, because you still have to, you still have to get to your goals, your KPIs. And sometimes it's just, you kind of go a different route, right? It's not always that straight line that, that we think. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought that up and really highlighted your time at MSNBC. I also left sports for a time and I wouldn't be the person I am today and the employee and leader that I am today in sports had I not taken what some might have considered a detour. But for me, it was about expanding my skill set, expanding my horizon, um, learning something new, that working in a different industry when you come back to sports can give you a new perspective that is really meaningful. So I'm, I'm really happy you, you highlighted that. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because not everybody understands, right? Everyone thinks and 
you get into sports and you stay in sports or I only, if I don't get into sports in my first job, I'll never get in again. Right. And like I said, at least for me, like when I'm hiring people, I need marketers. I need someone who understands marketing. I could teach you sports. You could teach yourself sports, right? But it's really like those marketing tactics that you learn in all different different industries that kind of just blend. You know, I've, I've worked a lot on the media side, but now I'm on the sports betting side. You know, it's it's still, there's still learning there, which is, that's the excitement of it, right? You can, there's no complacency. It's like, what's next? What are we going to do? You mentioned, I went to Monumental Sports and Entertainment. Um, most people know them as the owners of the Washington Capitals and the Wizards and the Mystics and a bunch of the, you know, Capital One Arena, et cetera. Um, but when I went there, I went there to launch their OTT platform called Monumental Sports Network. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're working for a team. And I'm not working for a team. I'm looking at OTT platform because people, you know, are engaging with sports in a different way. People are watching it in a different way. You know, you're not necessarily, listen, now we're in the middle of COVID, but before that you could go to a game but not everyone was going to games like they were, right? They wanted to figure out other ways that they can consume sports uh, that's not necessarily on television all the time or who's a cord cutter, right? Who doesn't even have cable anymore? So for me, it was, that was a really good move too of like learning that side of the business, right? That was something that, but I was able to take my experience in sports and in media and in entertainment, right? And kind of foster it into that role um, and not just keep doing the same thing, right? That's what I'm saying, like, it doesn't, you don't have to do the same thing over and over from your first job through your last job. You can kind of have those pivots, but as long as you're learning your skill set, you know, you find the right person you're interviewing with, they're going to understand that and they're going to want that. You know, a good leader wants that. A good leader wants to learn from people that are doing something different than they are. Yeah. There's that saying, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right. And <laughs> that you should be able to trust those who work for you to bring you the expertise that as a leader, you shouldn't be the expert in everything. So you've got to hire those, those utility players. And that's such good insight from you looking for skill sets versus specifically sports experience, which I think we get hung up on a lot of times. I mean, I was told when I left sports, good luck, you're never going to get back in. Yep. And I, I think we need to change that conversation. We need to change that dialogue and understand how meaningful it is to bring in people from the outside who offer unique perspectives or leave, go get your own perspective and then come back uh, if you so choose. So wonderful highlight. And I'm thrilled we get to talk about that today. I know. So you don't meet many, like many people to your point that have done that, right? Because so many people just stay. Um, but like I said, and just like you just said, I think it's okay to leave sports, right? It's okay. It's okay to leave anything, to be honest, right? Yeah. Even if you're in the entertainment industry, you can take that pivot. You're not, you're still doing the same role. It's just in a different industry. And every industry does it different, which I think is just great knowledge. It's great to see. I mean, it's, I'm seeing that even with sports betting compared to sports. It's a totally different you know, people are like, oh, sports is fast. Sports betting is so much faster. The, the pace, right? I mean, we talk about it often is we're not just building a brand at points, but we're like, we're building an industry, right? No one really knows sports betting just yet. It's just becoming legal in certain states. It's still new. There's a comfort level. It's listen, you're attaching your bank account to something, right? So, and, and, and really no one has worked in the industry before, unless like you're from countries that have had it, you know, legalized, such as like us with Australia, but 
Otherwise, you know, you're not hiring people with tons of sports betting experience, which is okay, right? Because we need to hire you to do your role and like, let's all figure this out together. So with such a dynamic industry that's literally changing by the moment, how do you keep yourself one step ahead or how do you keep yourself sharp to make the right decisions when it's so fast paced and it's changing so quickly? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, It's honestly, I'm learning from all the people I work with, to be honest, like work with some really smart people, like I said, with all different backgrounds. Um, And I find every day, you know, you're on a different call and someone says something and it's, oh, I didn't know that. Right. Or, Or I see something and someone says that. So I think a lot of it is just internally, like because people are bringing all different skill sets and then, you know, staying on top of on top of the industry, whether it be through trade magazines and trade, you know, um, not magazines, but, you know, trade publications, um, you know, different blogs, different influencers, different people who are constantly talking about this, um, to your point when you can find the time, but it is, you know, and, and really it's the competition, right? It's, it's look, looking at your competition. What are they doing? What's working for them? Right. I mean, that's part of being successful in your own role is knowing what others are doing in the same industry. I want to ask you one question. It's burning so bad is, (laughs) okay, big job. You've got a big job in this super fast paced industry. You're a mom, you live in Manhattan. Give us a peek into your life. This last absolutely crazy year. What has that been like? How have you balanced all of, all of this that COVID and our external environment and sports has thrown at us? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) There's probably parts of last year I try to block out that did that actually happen, right? But yeah, um, I am in a a small Manhattan apartment uh, with my husband and my two-year-old daughter, who was not two when we went down into quarantine. So um, it's still a very needy part of her life uh, and not understanding why mom is not paying attention to her all day long, right? Because that's what she was used to when, you know, when I was home. Um, honestly, it's keeping a schedule. I know it sounds so silly, but, um, you know, pre-COVID, you got up, you go work out, you get ready, you know, you do drop off, you go to work, you come home, you know, it's kind of like you have the schedule. And I found pretty early on into the pandemic that I had to do the same thing, right? I, I couldn't just like, oh, I'll get up at this time. Like, it just... It didn't feel right. Um, so for me, that's been what I do, right? I still kind of get up do my, for myself, to be honest, whether it be workout or have my alone time and get ready for the day, um, get dressed, to be honest. I get dressed every day. Um, I don't even know if I've worn leggings and I'm not saying there's anything wrong. It's just for me, it's a mindset. It's like, okay, now it's work time, right? Um, I'm not saying I'm wearing high heel shoes by any means. And in fact, I can't remember the last time I've even put those on, but um, you know, it's, it's just keeping that and looking at my calendar and kind of looking, okay, I have meetings from this time. So this time, when can I get work done? And then, you know, I I shouldn't say unfortunate, but a little bit, unfortunately, now it's more like you have dinner together as a family, you know, you do some bedtime routines and then it's back to work, right? Because to your point, this is a different world that we're living in and, you know, working with people in all different time zones, which maybe we weren't prior. So you're getting emails at different times of the day and night. So it's really just, like I said, for me, it's keeping a schedule. Um, it's really just 
Um, <laughs> what keeps me somewhat sane, um, I can't promise I've been the best mother or best employee all the time, but you know, it's that balance that you just kind of got to go with it, right? And okay, well, this day's over, let's go to the next day. And you know, these sunny days are helping. I'm hoping as, you know, now we're going into spring and summer, I do think there's a, just that mentality of let's go outside, let's get a couple, you know, minutes of fresh air and then come back. But as you mentioned, it's not always super easy when you're in an apartment. It's not like you could open up your back door and, and just run out. But yeah, I mean, my apartment was decorated as I wanted it. And now it has two desks in it for my husband and I, and not what I wanted it to have, right? But we kind of find those little corners um, and then, you know, that's kind of what you have to do. It's, it's, I guess there's no choice, right? So I guess that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. You make it work. And the schedule piece is so crucial. I mean, my husband and I, like, we didn't communicate about our schedules. I would say it was like 2% compared to now 90%. Cause I have to know what he's doing during the day. Um, if he's available to do X, Y, Z with the kids, cause they've fortunately been in school, but they've also been home a lot. I think my first grader has been out of school for almost six weeks due to different closures and things like that. So that's been unreliable. And, you know, we need to know when are you on calls? When are you doing this? Like, when did you plan to get your workout in today? Cause it's important yeah, to both yeah. of us. When are we spending time with the kids? And so, um, that's, that's totally been a challenge. I've, I've got my electronic calendar on outlook that I'm sure most people utilize for work. And then I also plot it out on paper too. Cause I need to just like think through that process when your meetings are all day and now there's no office pop-ins anymore. Like you can't no. just grab somebody in the so hallway. Yeah. You have to grab a time on their calendar so you're in six hours of meetings. Like, when are you doing the work that came out of all of those meetings? So it's sometimes it's like uh, the the five day work week feels like it's like been the full five days. <laughs> like you never like eight, actually. I like to say I work eight days a week at this point, right? Yeah, just... you never stop. I I've never like looked so much forward to the weekend to just give myself permission to like, all right, it's Saturday. Like, come on, mm -hmm. let's let's turn this off for a minute and enjoy the fruits of our labor, which is our kids and and the things that we want to do and um, our neighborhood and food and, you know, yeah. whatever else. Yeah. I mean, I will say too, you know, like I said, my daughter's only two. So most of my career was as a single woman or, you know, married. And, you know, I, I connect now with a lot of the moms that I've worked with over the years when I was, you know, in my twenties and going out every night. I remember they were pregnant and what's this all about? And it's been so refreshing to talk to them and ask them like, how did you do this? Right. Because, and until you're in it, it's, it's, it's a totally different world. Um, but I think a lot of them have always said to me, and it's kind of what I, like I do is I still have to hold true to myself. And like I said, if that's my, my alone time is of what I do in that time, it just keeps me sane. Otherwise I find that I'm just too frazzled at work or too frazzled at home. And, um, you know, that's part of being a leader, right? That's part of your leading. You're also leading your own life. You're also managing your family. You're managing your own day, your own life, like your own mental state. As we all know, this has been a really, really long year. And I can't believe it's been a year. And mentally there's some dark days, right? And there's some non-dark days, but 
just kind of being in tune with that, I think has helped. Um, and that, that that's kind of when I just go back to the schedule, like for me, the schedule has helped me keep organized, if you will, right? Otherwise I feel it's like, you can kind of go down this, this path of like just starting to question things and, you know, just kind of behind the eight ball. Once you're behind the eight ball on work, you're just behind the eight ball on everything. So it's kind of, you know, being in the moment, being on these calls, being present on the calls, you know, as much as you can. I know it's, it's so hard sometimes, but kind of making that priority. Because at the end of the day, people are making a priority to talk to you, right? And meet with you. So you want to give them that respect as well. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, Learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go. Visit leadershipisfemale.com. Join our newsletter. Check out all the episodes of the podcast and stay tuned for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. Yeah, 100%. Be where you are is what I say. It's like sounds so Buddha or something, mm-hmm. but it's so <laughs> true. Like you made that commitment to show up to that meeting or in that space, put that thing on your calendar, like give it the service that it deserves. You chose you chose to be there. Don't let your phone or the email or anything else distract you. Like give that your attention. So I'm, I'm happy, yeah. happy you highlighted that. <laughs> but it's like you said, like that work-life balance that we had, pre-COVID was very different. You know, I worked my tail off from that minute I entered that office till I came home and I came home and I had dinner and I would check email, but I wasn't online all night long, which obviously we are now. But to your point, because you were able to have a pop-in a five-minute conversation, right? Or just shout a question across the office. Whereas now, like to your point, I have to wait till five to have that meeting to get that answer to now go back to return email. You know, it's just, it's that ripple effect that I think, I mean, none of us expected last March when this all started. And I think we've all just kind of, what I've seen is everyone's done a good job of just kind of figuring it out, right? Because there's, no one really knows what's right and what's wrong. It's like, what's right and wrong for you, not for everybody else. Yeah, it's so, so true. And speaking of all the meetings, want to hear a little (laughs) bit more about what you do day to day as VP of brand marketing at points bet. There's a lot of curiosity in the sports world um, Mm -hmm. on different jobs. Like what are people doing behind the scenes? What are you meeting about? What decisions are you making? Give us a little bit of insight about um, your role and uh, what you're achieving. Sure. So yeah, as a VP of brand marketing, um, I own all of our, like I said, the branding and creative team, uh, our strategic partnerships, as well as our retail marketing. Um, at some point I also had uh, our PR communications team and content team under me, but as we've grown, we've obviously brought more people into the business, which has really helped to own those, those properties. Um, 
A lot of what I'm looking at is, at least from the brand side, is what is our messaging? What differentiates PointsBet from the competition? And what we look at is uh, as our speed. So we own our own technology. We're one of the only sports books that does that, which means you know, we don't have issues like some others have had in the past where they, you know, their app isn't working during the Super Bowl or whatnot. Um, because we don't have to go to a third party to kind of like place a ticket to get an answer. We we own technology. We can get bets on site, you know, within minutes. Um, we actually have a product called Name a Bet where you do just that, right? You send a text, you know, you send it through the app. Hey, I didn't see this bet on the site. Can we get it up? We look through it and we get it right up. So um what I do is I look at our messaging. So what is our messaging and market? And when I say a market in the states that we're live, so currently we're live in New Jersey, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, uh, Michigan, and Colorado. And in those live states, we want to get across why we are different, right? So we are the fastest sports book or we are the fast way to bet. Um, this is kind of how we look at uh, ourselves. And I, I kind of work on that across all out of home, all TV, working on all our TV commercials, um, our digital, uh, also our radio scripts, updating those as frequently as we can, right? Because we have different offers going out the door. And then, as I said, with the retail marketing stuff, we have retail sports books uh, right now in Illinois, Iowa, Colorado, and soon to be Michigan. So managing all the, the strategy behind what is the marketing for those? How do we get people you know, in a post COVID world or even now, right, getting people in the door, getting people to come in and place bets. And then once they're in there, do we convert them to a digital customer so they could still bet even when they're not there? So it's looking at that messaging, providing, you know, um, different ideas, different promotions for getting people in the door and also tapping into our partners. So I work really closely with the leagues and the teams and our ambassadors on doing those partnership deals this year. Looking at those deals and seeing how we can use the assets that are a part of them to once again, bring people in as customers. So I think if we were having these negotiations pre-COVID, some of our assets would be very different than what they are during COVID. Obviously, especially in, in stadium assets, which we all know, like as everyone here who watches sports, you see so many different billboards and signs and everything that's, you know, unless it's caught on TV um, right now, it doesn't make much sense. So we've looked at kind of that digital side of the business, whether it's digital assets, emails, push notifications, you know, stuff like that. Um, so just getting smart about our strategy and how we are going to use our brand and get in front of the right people. And, you know, when you do a partnership with a, with a team, for instance, it's their fans trust who they partner with. So if you trust, if you're going to partner with us, right, then there's a trust of, of, of betting with points bet. And that's kind of how we've looked at those as we, we enter each market. Yeah. And you sort of highlighted um, something I wanted to talk about, and that was signing partnerships during COVID um, as your company is rapidly expanding versus, you know, pre-COVID. So how did you evaluate those opportunities? Are you bringing some digital ideas to the table? Are the teams as ahead of it as they should be? Like, tell us a little bit about what happens um, in those meetings and that decision-making. Yeah, I think the teams across every league and even the leagues have done a really great job. Just, I mean, this was a total, you know, right turn, if you will, um, you know, come last March and even last March, nobody knew what each season would, what would hold, right? Did you know the NFL season would actually play? Do we think the NBA would play? Nobody knew. 
So I think, you know, everyone we spoke to was so knowledgeable about accepting that and, and trying to figure out what do we know, right? If, if the season goes on, what do we know? And like I said, that's leaning into kind of radio spots and content and uh, leaning into, like I said, push notifications or email blasts, um, digital ads within the team sites, within their partner sites. So um, I think as soon as we started having those conversations, all the teams understood that, yeah, that makes sense. That's right. and, and if you want some, you know, in stadium signage, it needs to be something that's that's a, a dominant play within that stadium, right? I mean, we have um, the curtain, uh, you know, on the floor uh, for for Pacers games, which is like which is huge, right? I'm sorry, the curtain, the apron. Sorry, <laughs> wrong <laughs> wrong thing. But the apron, which is which is huge, right? I mean, that every time you're watching a game, you see points bet. You know, same with our, our partners over at the uh, at Kroenke Sports and Entertainment with the with the Nuggets. I mean, we have a pull pad, and right, we have all this stuff that's constantly getting um, getting viewed. Whether it's watching on TV or honestly, if you're using a seeing social clips, right, you're seeing people cut clips of of people scoring, and a lot of times you're seeing points bets branding on there. So I think we've done a, and like I said, it's not just me. We have a team that does this, and um, real good good job of looking at what assets make the most sense for us. Yeah, that's a great information and sort of a view from the partner, the other partner side um, on, on what's meaningful. And, you know, I think the landscape's going to continue to change as, as we begin to reopen and we've, we'll sort of have this period of evaluation of pre, during, post, and look at um, the ROI of those those partnerships to make some good decisions in the future yeah. um, for, yeah, for parties. So much success has come in your career. And um, I'm sure that's the way it looks, you know, hindsight 2020, or for me looking at your, your bio, but there had to been a hurdle or two along the way. Can you talk to us about maybe one of those hurdles and what you learned from it? Listen, there's always hurdles in your career, right? You go for a job, you don't get it. You want to go for a promotion and you don't get it. Companies do layoffs. You're part of those layoffs. I mean, that, that's happened. Um, it's happened to me. It's happened to probably most people I know at this point. It's you know not taboo of any means. But like I said, I think for me, it's more of like when I made that move of leaving ESPN to go to, to, go to the, the NBC side of the business, it was not a, not a bad thing, but it was more of like, I really questioned, is this the right thing to do? And I, what was... What I learned was talking to my mentor, kind of, you know, talking to others, seeing what the actual opportunities were, where I was, what would this, what would I get out of making this move? Um, and at the end of the day, feeling comfortable, which it takes a while to feel comfortable to make a big decision like that, right? You're also leaving your friends, you're leaving what you know, you know, you're leaving, um, you're leaving something, a comfort. There's a comfort of like, well, I know my commute is every day and I know who I'm meeting with every morning and I know the girl who sits next to me and the guy who sits around, you know, starting something new is scary. Um, so I would say that. And then, um, you know, even for me going, I moved down to DC to go work for Monumental Sports Network and, you know, leaving the New York sports scene for after being in it for so many years. But, you know, listen, I was in DC for four years. And then, as I said, I'm back in New York at points bet. So, it's doable because you just have to make those right moves for your career. So, like I said, I probably listen, if you asked me during the time I was making these decisions, I probably would have had maybe a little different answer, but looking back, like you said, it is scary, but like scary is okay. Right. Like think about that. You know, it's, 
and and most people I, I remember when I left even Sports Illustrated, all my friends there were like, oh my God, I left. I shouldn't have left. I miss everybody. And there's also a reason why you're thinking about leaving, right? And usually it's because you want to learn something else. So if you kind of put that first and you're like, listen, I'll make friends, you can still talk to your friends from other companies. And, and a new job is always super, super hard. And I do think for people starting new jobs in this environment, it's even more. It's it, but to remember that, like as someone who's hired people during this pandemic, I find managing during this time hard as well. You know, I wish I had someone sitting next to me kind of here, let's go through this together. And, and you can't anymore, right? And it's, you know, you're trying to give somebody your full attention and energy, but you're being pulled in a million directions. And, you know, as like I said, as people who are starting off or starting new jobs, like remember that too, like it's not as easy as it might seem on the manager side as well, right? Because this isn't a comfortable way to manage that we're used to, right? Some people are used to it. I, I guess I'm not used to it, I should say. Um, but yeah, I think, like I said, I think when I look back and I, and I see the decisions I've made for my career, I'm very happy with it. I, I really am. Um, but making those decisions probably felt really scary at the time. So it's, you know what I'm saying? So it's a kind of hard to say like, what was that tipping point? You know what? Because looking back, I'm like, oh, that was a smart move. But at the time it felt like, Am I, what am I doing? Right. Everyone, why would you leave ESPN? Why would you, everyone wants to work there? Why would you leave? Right. And I, and I definitely lost sleep, but that it was, it was a really, really great move for me. Well, and it sounds like what you, what you laid out here, your advice is ask those around you for Mm -hmm. advice. So it doesn't have to be all inside your own head. You can lean on your mentors, your friends, um, People you trust, you know, people you trust if you've made in the industry. Exactly. To help you through that, that thought process. And you also acknowledged like there's a comfort in staying Mm -hmm. and there, so there's bravery required to make the leap. Just even that initial acknowledgement of like, all right, this is not going to be as easy as one might presume because hindsight is 2020, but -hmm. giving yourself the opportunity to recognize like, all right, this is a tough thing. Like it's going to be hard, but I'm going to make it through. And finally you said, there's a reason why you're thinking about leaving. So I think reflecting like on that thought can also help give you some clarity on if the decision is right or wrong. So those are really, really good tips. And the other piece that you said in there that I wanted to dig into a little bit more is management in mm-hmm. the remote setting. You've hired people during during this time and you know it's difficult to onboard as an employee uh, in this current climate. Um, but it's also difficult to manage in this client climate. One of the things that I've learned over the past year is avoiding the ambush at all costs. <laughs> And what I mean by that is, you know, just somebody like video calling you out of the blue when you're unprepared, you know, to deliver bad news or assign a new project. Like, I think I've learned sort of as a leader that you've got to be mindful in your communication mechanisms because we have this like kind of strange access to our employees at this point over, over the phone or Um, text or email or video call, like you have all these different choices. And so for me, it's been important to learn how do my individual direct reports, like what's the best way to get in touch with them to, uh, to make sure that they can 
have an appropriate answer or respond and not feel ambushed. Do you have any any takeaways or any tips from from this setting? For me, I, I have meetings that I have set up with people so that we always have a dedicated time and we always have that time and we can use it to however my employee wants to use it. Um, we can go through a to-do list. We can go through, how are you feeling? How's your weekend, right? We can go through a lot of that. So always setting aside that time each week. Um, it's just kind of that you just, you just know you, no matter what, to your point, if someone's running around doing a hundred meetings on all these Zoom calls, you know, okay, well, you know what, if I can't get them today, I know I have this dedicated time with them. So I think that's really important. And then, you know, sometimes people like to your point, want to say, hey, can you chat real quick? And, and if you can't chat real quick, here's when I can chat real quick, right? Or that kind of stuff. So it's always, it's always offering what, what is available to you and what will work. Um, and staying personal, right? I mean, I care about my employees. This is a really hard time. Um, how are you? How are you doing? You know, and I've, I've had a few that have said to me, wow, no one's asked me that, you know, because it's true. It's like, this is, you know, we're all just head down working and um, it, it is, it's, it's tough to manage people in this environment, especially, you know, like I said, I've hired people. I don't even know what they look like in person. How tall are you? What, you know, I've, because I've done it all this way. Um, my counterparts at work, the the other two VPs with me, we've never met in person, um, which is just funny to, and I tell them like, wow, wait until you guys see me in person. <laughs> you're gonna think it's a model, you know, you're gonna wait until you guys see I'm so much thinner in person than I am on Zoom and I joke with them. And it's like, but there, there, there is something funny about that. Like we might never meet, right? We might we might just be remote forever, we, who knows, right? So it's, it's, um, it's very interesting, but I, I do think, the ambush, it's a good point. I think in the beginning, we all kind of did it because we're just so used to it in person. Um, but now it's really just finding that time. Uh, I know some other people who block off time just to do work and kind of, you know, I've tried that. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked as well as I'd like it to, but it's okay. I mean, I figured out another way that works for me. So I do think it's, um, it's tricky, but like, kind of figuring out what works for your management style, probably, you know, and what works for your employees, like how they need to be managed too. So, and everyone's different. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm always apologizing. I'm sorry. I didn't give you enough time this week. It's not, don't take it personal. And it's, it's not personal. It's, it's just, there's other way that, you know, no one knows that you're being pulled in other directions. And I think it's partially like over communicating that, like, I wanted to talk to you about X, Y, Z, but I got pulled into A, B, and C, right? So it's, I'm not ignoring you. It's because of this. Right. Right. And I think that is a key highlight as well is giving them just a little bit of visibility into all the other things that you're working on as well. Um, and our days are just full. So sometimes it feels like the project progresses slower than you might expect, or your employee is getting an answer in a longer time frame than they had considered. And of course, we have all these external factors that are weighing on the decision-making as well. So I think there's just a lot of uh, importance to the words vulnerability and grace. Mm -hmm. And I think it's wonderful the way that you're checking in and asking how they're doing personally, because those are important questions to ask. And you want to get yeah. to know your people, um, but you also want to make sure that they're okay because they're they're dedicating their time and, and uh, their days to serving the company and Let's make sure that we're all in as good of place as we can be to get the work done. Yeah. Yep. 
Absolutely. One question. There's two questions I finish um, okay. every interview with. First is your best piece of advice for women to put into action today mm-hmm. to make meaningful change for tomorrow. Be true to yourself, whether that's, you know, in any, in any industry that you work in, just stick by who you are as a person, as your own brand. You know, you don't have to conform to what people expect you to be, or you don't have to conform to what you think you should be. Um, you know, be, be true to yourself because you'll be happier in the end. You know, it's, you don't have to worry about it. Listen, if others don't like you because of certain things you do, then those, that's not who you want to be working with or be friends with, or right. You want, you want to be able to be yourself. Cause if you're not yourself, you're not, you're not going to succeed, right. There's just, it's, it's an extra pressure you don't need. And, you know, especially if you're working in a male dominated industry, be yourself, right. It's just, you know, I'm not telling you to, to go out and do crazy things, but just be yourself. You know, if you, you know what you're doing and you know, the point you want to get across, get it across. It's not easy. It's really not easy. But I think by showing that you have confidence in yourself is, is everyone sees that men and women see it. Right. So it's not just your peers see it and people want to work with people with that confidence, because I think we all, we all thrive to have confidence. And when you see someone else have it, it kind of gives you that, like, you know what, I should be like that, right? That's who I want to work with. I think that's great. And I love that you said, be your own brand and you don't have to conform to who you think you should be. Mm -hmm. An interesting perspective that we could set ourselves up for what you think you should do. But really, if you can peel that and dial that back a little bit, it's like, all right, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I turn the wrong way. Right. If, if I'm true to myself, what does that person say? Yeah, exactly. Finally, my favorite question um, of all, that is, what is your favorite quote? I don't know if I have a favorite famous quote, but I do have a quote that one of my first bosses told me that I stuck with forever. And I, 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 um, I actually tell it to people all the time. And I, I think it's great, but I was told, do the job you want. And like I said, it's not a quote from a book or a poem or a song, but it is a quote that really resonates with me and has always resonated with me. And I go, I probably think about that almost daily at this point, right? It's do that job you want, because listen, if you're trying to get a promotion or you're trying to move up in the world, or you're trying to get a new job, like you want to make it easy for somebody to say, oh yeah, well, they're already doing that job. Why wouldn't they have that job? Right? So I think, um, like I said, that would be that would be my quote, if you will. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to name the, the person who quoted it, but it's not it's not the uh, uh, it's like I said, you're not going to find that in the book. I love it. Such great advice, Jennifer Matthews, Vice President of Brand Marketing at PointsBet. It has been a pleasure to hear from you today. Share your voice, share your great experience with this audience. Thank you. No, thank you. So nice to be here. Ooh, I told you that episode would be rich in marketing information, leadership information, management information, and a peek into the sports betting landscape. And I hope that Jennifer and I delivered. So with that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, stick to who you are and your brand. You don't have to conform to who you think you should be. Be true to yourself. Number two, on taking a new role. It's scary. There is comfort in staying where you are. But remember, if you think about leaving or you're thinking about leaving, there's a reason you're thinking about leaving. 
identify that reason and evaluate if a move is going to help you personally move onward and upward in your career. Number three, don't be afraid to change your trajectory if that will help you expand your skill set in an area you are interested in, even if that's outside of sports. Look for growth and perspectives that support your interests and expand your horizons inside and outside your current employee. Number four, continue learning. You can learn so much from your peers, trade publications, influencers, and your competition. Take a look at your competitors in the industry. What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? What takeaways can you bring to your job? Pro tip, subscribe to your competitors or industry comrades newsletters. Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to the show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at Leadership is Female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.